Hello and welcome to the Pig and Whistle Tales from Azeroth. As always here at the Pig and Whistle Inn in Stormwind, I go for a variety of subjects with regards to World of Warcraft. So grab a bottle or a pint, sit back and enjoy. This episode we'll be going over sort of favourite battlegrounds, going over some favourite arenas, why like they're my favourite, what makes them better, are they any good in terms of like the compositions that you bring, what comps are bad on them, stuff like that. As always, we'll go through the weekly uh, news. We have Basrikron and the Zakali Elders, who are the world bosses for this week. One is located in the Waking Shore. The other is located in Zaralak Caverns. Legion Time Walking is our bonus event for the week. You uh, have such things as the Mage Tower that are included in this, as well as some items, mounts, pets, uh, uh, reputation gains that you can get through Time Walking Badges. South Shore versus Taran Mill is our brawl for this week. If you have a potato PC, I would very much recommend not doing this brawl, as it will... Um, um, what's the best way to put this? Your PC might blow up. Um, that That's kind of the best way to put it, if it is a lower-end PC. It is a 40 versus 40 uh, shit show, to say the least. Fortified, uh, Entangled, or Entangling, and Bolstering are your mythic affixes for this week. Fortified, the mobs, uh, the non-boss enemies, and uh, anything that they summon have increased health and damage. Entangling, you periodically get rooted or snared. And Bolstering, when a target dies or a mob, they increase or they let out a shout and increase the damage and health of uh, the uh, other mobs around them. Thorindal, the Star Fury, is the weapon that we'll be going over. But before we do that, firstly I would like to say a massive thank you to everyone who tunes in every week into the tavern as it is growing each and every week and uh, this is just amazing to see. But I must ask for your support even more. This podcast is uh, not my full-time job and I put in as much effort as I can with it without having to put any content behind any sort of paywall. With all of this uh, uh, said, down below there is a link to support the show even further. From as little as $3 a month, um, it will help uh, push the show to greater lengths. I can get out more content for you more frequently and stuff like that. I know times are very tough right now, but that little bit of extra support would go a massive and really long way um, for me to help get this content out for you guys. Again, a massive thank you to all of you for just taking the time to even listen to this and to listen to the content that is produced. Love all of you guys, and I hope that you enjoy this episode as well as the episodes previous and those that will be coming out in the future. But we'll get back to Thoradal, the star's fury. Um, There isn't much on it. There isn't really much lore behind it, but essentially Thoradal is... um, the name of a legendary bow that drops from Kill Jaden in the Sunwell Plateau. It is dropped on the 25-man instance. Um, this bow was the highest DPS weapon in the game, excluding wands. Um, equipping the bow awards a feat of strength as well. The bow resonates with power of the Sunwell. The origins and history of the weapon remain a mystery, even to the Blood Elves. Uh, um, the bow magically conjures arrows um ready to be loosed or loose loosened i don't know but 
essentially this bow is uh, very iconic because it's the very first bow that didn't require any ammo from hunters to use so essentially back in uh, classic uh tbc wrath and i'm not sure but i don't think it was cataclysm um essentially hunters had to use either bullets or arrows for their weapons depending on which uh weapon they had if they had a bow or a gun these um arrows obviously took up a lot of inventory space and what you would do is have a quiver or a ammo pouch in order to basically have them um or to hold these arrows and if you didn't have this ammo pouch or quiver it was actually a dps loss because the pouches and the quivers increased your attack speed so you actively always had one less bag as a hunter. If you have to get to Thorodal, the Star's Fury, you didn't need any ammo because on equip it generates magical arrows when the bowstring is drawn. So you actually didn't need any ammo and it magically shot arrows. Now, this was used in Wrath of the Lich King for obvious reasons. Um, hunters could use this to farm it would make sense for them to do that but um obviously towards the end of wrath of the lich king the damage dropped off quite severely compared to other weapons so they had to go back but they have never done this since um and this is currently the highest level hunter weapon or hunter bow hunter item whatever you want to refer to it as in the game um you obviously have stuff that's um Unlike the Legion artifact weapons, you have them. But legendary-wise, it is the highest sort of DPS legendary that hunters could acquire in the game to this day, as there has been nothing since. Um, a bow with the same model as uh, like Ranger Generals of Silvermoon and uh, someone called Haluron Brightwing. Uh, it's not confirmed whether it is uh, Thorodal. Um, in Legion, Thorodal is hung on the wall of the Unseen Paths Trusot Lodge, next to the uh, next to a couple of other bows. Essentially, according to World of Warcraft explorer in Azeroth, the bow was reclaimed by the Blood Elves after Kill Jaden was defeated. So it's kind of just sat with the Blood Elves, not doing a whole lot at the moment. Um, obviously, the requirement to have ammunition and arrows was actually removed in cataclysm i've just confirmed it um and essentially this was the biggest part of it no one really knows why the bow is or the origins of the bow all that people knew was that it was obviously the best for hunters at the time and uh, it did give a 15 percent attack speed effect and it didn't stack with the arrow quivers or pouches, so you didn't lose any DPS when switching out your ammo bags or um, quivers, which is really good. It was um, that might have been an oversight, to be honest, um, on Blitz's part if they forgot to add in that attack speed for the uh, bow. Essentially, um, it was added for hunters, obviously. But warriors and rogues could also use it. So if someone was willing to pay a big fee in a GDKP or something, you could have a warrior that took this over a hunter and that would be really rough. Not going to lie. Um, but essentially at the moment, it's not had any law confirmed behind it. It's only, a, uh, it's only 
permanent. It is the only permanent legendary weapon available to players, um, and uh, there's literally nothing that explains it, its existence. Um, it kind of just it's a manifestation of a bow, I guess, in the game. Um, you obviously have stuff that was uh, like the Warglaves of Azanoth. They don't have much lore behind them, but we at least know where it came from. It came from a Doom Guard who Illidan slayed, slain, slain, um, about ten thousand years ago, and essentially Illidan spent all of that time like getting very proficient using these Warglaves and stuff. But the bow has no such origin. No one knows where it come from and stuff. Which is a bit of a shame. It's a very cool and iconic bow for hunters, especially. But you know, it it's one of them things. Apparently, the the uh, blood elves just have it hanging up now. It's a wall ornament, essentially. But let's get into the episode. So let's start with battlegrounds. Now we have many different battlegrounds: Temple of Kotmogu, the Battle for Gilneas. You have, oh, excuse me, Twin Peaks. But if I had to pick a favorite battleground it's gonna be the og it's it's gonna be a warsome gulch it's, it's gonna be the og battleground now um i remember playing warsome gulch when i first started playing the game back in 2008 2009 whenever it was i remember going into these battlegrounds not knowing what the fuck to do Looking at achievements and thinking, oh my god, like get 20 killing blows without dying, that's insane. I remember really trying to farm this and uh, like I would get to like sometimes 10 but die and I'd be like, damn it, you know, that kind of thing. And then you'd get to like 18 and I'd be sweating. I'd be like, oh my god, I can't die now, I can't die. And it, it took, I don't think I'd managed to do this until like a couple of years ago when I completely didn't mean to get the achievement. But, you know, you'd always get very close to doing the achievements. It holds a lot of sentimental value. I think that's what's going to um, influence my decision on the battlegrounds at the very least. And um, the arena is going to be different because it will be affected by the composition that I play and the roles that I play kind of. Um, but Warsome Gulch is one of the OG. It's a very simple map, but it's a very cool looking map. You have the forest area of the Alliance leading into the barren sort of wasteland, which is the Horde side. Um, and it is on the sort of outskirts of Ashenvale where the Horde are looking to push into Ashenvale for the resources, whereas the Alliance are obviously there to defend and hold them back. Um but yeah, Warsong Gulch, it's a very simple design, but it was one of the like best ones that they had. A lot of... Um, the only other one that I can think of off the top of my head at the moment that is uh, similar to Warsong Gulch is Twin Peaks. Um, Twin Peaks being the other Capture the Flag map. You obviously have stuff that is Capture the Flag, but it's also a resource-based um, system as well. It's two-in-one, so I'm kind of not counting them. I'm only going to count the pure, like, flag carry um, sort of deal. Twin Peaks, it's a nice concept, but there, there's a lot of ways that you can cheese this, I think. Especially if you were to look at it in a classic sense. If you were to put Twin Peaks in classic, you could do a lot with the flag. You can rocket boots with the flag and, like, slow fall off the top of a roof. Um, for Horde, this is so much more effective because the Alliance sort of uh, keep or base 
is essentially really high up compared to the hordes. So you could just rocket boots and jump and fly across the entire map if that was still able. You can somewhat still do it, but not to the effect that you could in Classic. But Warsong Gulch just has that element of... Let's take a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes... It doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favourite podcast platforms now. It, it's nostalgic. It's very nostalgic, Warson Gulch, um, because you've spent. For those who have played PvP and enjoy Battlegrounds, you spent a lot of time in there. And if you did like classic ranking, you obviously did a lot of Warsong Gulch, Arathi Basin and Alterac Valley, as they are the only three Battlegrounds that were in the game um, at the time of classic. So Warsong Gulch was very much the go-to for me because it was a lot more enjoyable. I could just kind of piss about and stuff, whereas Arathi Basin... It's a bit more of a slug, in my honest opinion. It didn't generate as much um, honour. So I'm kind of glad that Warsong Gulch was the main go-to to get honour, as it was the most enjoyable for me. Speaking of Arathi Basin, I would have to put that second. Arathi Basin, as a whole, is a very nice concept. It's a domination-type game. You have five bases, and essentially you need to get to a certain amount of resources or points in order to win the battleground. And the more bases that you hold, the quicker your points go up. Um, In Classic, it was 2,000 points. In PBC, I believe it went to 1,600 and I believe in retail currently it's 1200 if I'm not mistaken. Um, these obviously dictate how fast the game ends, uh, how quickly the game like ends and stuff like that. Um, but Arathi Basin is such a nice concept because you're having to communicate with your team. It's like need help defending like blacksmith or something, like three incoming blacksmith. Um, and you'd always have two or three people defending each base, possibly... Um, like in classic whereas in retail it's kind of just i'll go over here i may as well 1v1 this guy you know piss about have some fun stuff like that but in classic because you needed 2000 points if you were to lose that battleground it would be so not worth your time it would be so not worth your time if you're looking at the most honor per hour you do not want to lose an arathi basin you really don't um there were times, obviously, when I was ranking in PvP. Uh, it was Arathi Basin weekend, and you would do these Arathi Basin like pre-maids. And generally, you'd have a druid guard in your stables, and then you would have a small sort of group go to either mines or lumber mill, and then you would have the bulk of your forces going to blacksmith. And if it was an Arathi Basin weekend. The team that won the very first fight in Arathi Basin and won the blacksmith fight would essentially win the game. 
because uh, the communication was very up, th- very much up there, and very much um, in favour of the team. Because it would be you have uh, the mines, blacksmith, and stables. You've got like this triangle, and you just keep people at blacksmith. And if they go to gold mines, you send everyone to gold mines and leave two people defending blacksmith. If they were to go blacksmith, you will just stay there and stables, etc., etc. You get the gist. But if it was a Arathi Basin weekend, the team that lost the fight would generally give the game because it wasn't worth them fighting all that time to lose. So if you were to win the very first fight, you would essentially win the battleground because the other team would give you the game. And this meant that people who were ranking uh, essentially got the most honour per hour. And it was actually very beneficial for the Horde as well because there was usually a mutual transaction. There was, okay, we've lost the game, so we'll just give it. We'll stand at base and sort of let them cap everything. Um, But in return, we'll let them kind of farm kills off of us because we get the honour for like winning the game essentially but they get the honour for actually getting the kills. And it's kind of like a transaction. It's kind of like a um, a, a kind of peace pact almost. It's like, yeah, cheers for not dragging this game out, um, which was really cool, actually. And people in Warsaw Gulch did it as well. It was kind of, if you went up against a pre-made in Warsaw Gulch, first one to cap the very first flag wins the game. You'd let them cap the other two and then... Uh, the other team who were going to lose the game would uh, uh, just go and farm kills at the graveyard, essentially. It's one of them things. Um, But yeah, these are probably my two best. Battle for Gilneas is obviously another for... uh, another Arathi Basin type deal, but only three bases make it very difficult to actually, like, get any sort of momentum on your side because it's very much, oh, they go to one of two. Like, you need to hold two out of three to win. Um, and the potential of holding them is a lot higher. Whereas, you know, Arathi Basin, they could go for maybe, like, three bases. There's potentially three bases they could go for. Two of them are more of a possibility than others. But, you know, there's there's a lot more outplay uh, outplayability, outplayable. You, you could be outplayed a lot more on Arathi Basin compared to, like, Battle for Gilneas. Um... You obviously have some weird ones. Um, the Temple of Hot Mogu, or Kot Mogu, sorry. And you have uh, the... I always forget the name of it. You have the Mines one, the Silver Shard Mines, I think it's called. And you have uh, the other Pandaren one. Basically like a Rathi Basin. Oh my god, I can't remember it. But it, it's basically like a Rathi Basin. But I just don't like the layout as much. You know, a Rathi Basin is the OG... Uh, sort of resource-based game mode, and nothing quite compares to them. As for arenas, I have a couple that I like. Um, both of them are somewhat similar in terms of how they they are. That is Mugambala and Robodrome. Two of them are very rarely picked in, um, like AWC. Now, this could have went either way. I could have went for something like Maldraxxus, uh, Colosseum, or Tolveron as well is a very good one. But I think I'd stick with two, and these two are mainly because I they have some sort of levitation to them. They have a Y-axis rather than just an X-axis. 
um, because they have obviously Robodrome has a middle pillar that is a ramp, whereas Mugambala has two sets of stairs going up to a sort of t- uh, more inclined area of this arena. And this can be utilized for many different purposes, but the classes that I play um, can utilize this a lot more so than, you know, melees. And uh, this means that I can use it to my advantage more than it will be to my disadvantage uh, most of the time anyway. So obviously I have, or I play Boomkin and I play Warlock and stuff like that. A lot of these classes benefit from this Y axis because I can fake to jump off and then either. Uh, while charge back up there as I'm like falling in uh, like uh, travel form or I can sort of leap backwards uh, with wild charge in my boomy form um the warlock I can obviously put my port up there I can put my gateway up there and just gate up and down and portal up and down um this is very good for if you're against melee now the comps that obviously I play with, I play with one melee and myself a caster. That's primarily our main comp. So the melee is very mobile as well. It is a hunter, so survival hunter. So he's got a lot of ways to get back up there and, you know, be very mobile and quick to get back up and down on this y-axis. So these are very good maps just for us in general. Um... Any good comps that would benefit from these sort of maps would be caster comps, um, warlocks, uh, any warlock compositions in general, anything that has a portal. So a mistweaver monk might be good up there. A windwalker monk might also be good up there. You know, there's many different things that you can essentially do, or there's many different portals that you can have in the game that will make these sort of maps very useful. And bad comps on these sort of maps are probably like very heavily melee based uh you probably have like what am i thinking warrior for sure i think is a bit of an annoying one to deal with these sort of um y-axis maps but you also have stuff that's actually quite annoying to get up there which is demon hunter strangely enough they struggle a little bit with this because their dashes are very much x-axis and the Backflip is a small y-axis increase, but not enough to get them up to these like ramps. Um, so any bad, well, I say bad comps. These still aren't bad comps. The map just doesn't favor you as much if you're against like a caster cleave. Um, but if you're looking at a sort of good composition for like smaller maps, you are looking at them melee cleaves. So if you're looking at say Blades Edge Arena. Uh, which is just the bridge in the middle. It's very good for melee cleaves, primarily because it's just a straight line, a very thin line. People can't really kite you as well. Uh, It's very difficult to kite, I should say. Uh, You're looking at hook point as well. Hook point is a very congested map. Everything's close together. There's not really that many great line of sight blockages on this map. So any sort of melees on this map, melee compositions is very good and uh, you know caster compositions on these sort of maps are very rough um generally speaking anyway but that is it for this episode thank you all very much for listening as always do check out all of the links down below twitch youtube tiktok absolutely everything it's all happening all over the social medias and uh, yeah be sure to check everything out support the show even further by clicking the links down below 
But thank you all very much for listening, as always, and go with Valor, friend. Goodbye, all.